that be watching online, I want to welcome you to come to a session on why we need to pray, why you need to pray. If I was to ask you, how's your prayer life going? You know, 90% of people say, could be better. Isn't that right? It doesn't matter what they're doing. They say, could be better. You know what my conclusion is? You're living under condemnation. Because in other words, whatever you're doing, you believe is inadequate. Rather than being able to enjoy God and enjoy the freedom of a relationship with Him. Of course you could do better. Of course we could grow more. We're all aware of that. But the trouble is if you live with that mentality, you'll never enjoy praying. It'll always be a burden where I have to do more. Let me just read for you a, a, a verse and uh, I'll lay out some uh, things that'll, that'll be of help for you. In Isaiah 56 verse 7, notice what it says here. It says uh, in Isaiah 56 and verse 7, I will bring them to my holy mountain. So he's talking about people who were uh, in uh, a place of bondage, a place of struggle, a place of difficulty, uh, a place where there's, uh, they're enslaved. And he says, notice what he says, I will bring them to my holy mountain. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifice will be accepted on my altar. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And the Lord who gathers the outcasts of Israel said, I will gather him and others besides. Notice uh, the great need the church has today is prayer. One of the greatest needs is for prayer. If you look through history and see anyone that God used powerfully, you'll find they're a man of a prayer, a man or woman of prayer. Prayer, I want to talk about why we need to pray. We see here in this passage here, God defines his church like this. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, not a house of entertainment, not a house of, uh, of just a, a hospital where needs are met. He said, it's more than that. My house is called to be called a house of prayer, a place where people come and encounter God, a place where people experience joy, Notice he said, my house of prayer be a place of joy. Yeah. Place of joy. Why is it joyful? Because when we encounter God and burdens are lifted off our life, we experience God and we hear his voice speaking, there is a great joy comes to us. When we get set free of burdens, set free of the things that harass us and press on us and worry us and trouble us, there is a great joy. Amen. There is a great joy. I look at a lot of Christians, I, man, you haven't got much of a prayer life. There's not much joy. See, one of the evidences that we're in a place of relationship with God, walking with Him, two things that show up in our life. Number one is peace. We walk in peace in the midst of the trouble. And two, we walk in joy. There's a joy. There's a smile. There's a warmth. There's a life inside. That's what people are hungry for is to discover these things. That's why people go down the pub. They drink. They want to feel happy. They don't feel happy. And I notice this about backslidden Christians when they don't experience the joy with the Lord, they go down to the pub again. You find the people who are no longer walking with God, once walk with Him, you find they neglected prayer. Prayer was the thing that was missing. You cannot substitute your personal life of prayer, which is a place, an altar you build with God. An altar is a place of sacrifice. Something is let go of, something is given up, and in exchange, something is returned to you. Many times, as Pastor Dave was saying, people look at the prosperity of others and they envy it, but what they don't know is the secret life they lived that's now manifesting openly. They don't realize the commitments they've made to God and the way they've honored 
God and their prayer and their personal life and built an altar to him, they don't see that. You just see the prospering. We want the prospering people have and don't really know how it takes place. But there's a hidden secret life you build. There's a life you build with God. We need a relationship with God. And so he says, my house will be called a house of prayer of all nations. So if we want to be used powerfully of God, if you want to experience the supernatural, you must become a person of prayer. There is no shortcut. There's no other way. We'll explain why in just a moment. So we need to be people of prayer. In James 5.16, it says, the effective, effective, that means person knows how to pray. The effective, fervent, that means there's passion in it. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, that's a man in relationship and right standing with God, he said it avails much or it releases power that changes circumstances. It releases power that changes circumstances. You see, the trouble is we get used to living without the power of God. We get used to living without the presence of God. Then we get used to living with limitations. Then we get used to living with negatives. And we say, that's just how it is. Well, read the Bible. You find there's people did not agree that that's how it needed to be. They made a decision. It needs to change. And God wants it to change. So let's have a look at a few things. First of all, I want to look at the questions, what is prayer? What is prayer? Well, a few things it's not. Uh, first of all, prayer is not. Here's what it's not. Prayer is not a monologue, a one-way conversation. Now, if I ask many people about their prayer life, is this described, would you describe it as a two-way thing or would it be one way? Most people describe it, in their experience, it's pretty well one way. Meaning, there's no engagement, there's no dialogue, there's no enjoyment. Imagine a marriage and one person does all the talking and the other one's silent. You know that's not going to flourish, is it? It's not going to grow. It's not going to go. It's going to actually, in the end, be a source of tremendous frustration and disappointment. Um, a relationship and marriage is meant to be intimate, close, where the lives connect, where there's a sharing of life with one another and enjoying of life with one another. And that's how it's to be with us and God. He intends it to be that way. It's a dialogue where you hear from him as well as talk to him. And so there's a way of accessing his presence. There's a way of dialoguing with him. There's a way of learning how to live in that day by day. If we don't know how to do that, then it becomes a problem. Prayer becomes a burden. If I say, hey, we've got a prophet coming next week, everyone comes out. If I say, we've got a prayer meeting, yeah. Hello, where was everyone? Oh, I'm just a bit tired. I couldn't make it. Yet what I've noticed in all the churches that experience power, miracles, deliverance, transform lives, people being saved, there's one thing they've all got in common. They do stuff a little bit differently. One thing they've all got in common, strong prayer. Strong prayer. How did the church get started? Strong prayer. How did they change a city? Strong prayer. How were people saved that were impossible to save? Strong prayer. 
the fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man releases great supernatural power of God to shift impossible circumstances. So prayer is not a one-way conversation, a monologue. It's not just something you repeat, some kind of things. That's how I learned how to pray. We had a set of beads and we prayed on the beads and it was just a repetition. It didn't seem to get very much power, but we did it anyway. And uh, it's definitely not something mechanical, like something you just do as a little duty. Prayer is to be much more than that. Prayer is primarily about building a relationship with a personal God. The core of it is about a relationship, an intimate, personal relationship where you get to know God and become known by Him. That's the core and the heart of prayer. So it's an intimate connection. It's a conversation. It's about connecting with someone we can't see and enjoying Him. And out of that time and place, there's a release of his power to transform circumstances. So it's firstly a communication, a relationship, and secondly, a way that power is released to change circumstances. So firstly, we need to learn how to become intimate in prayer and engage with God and communicate with Him. Secondly, we need to learn different forms of prayer, like prayers of intercession, praying for others. Prayers to pray for ourselves, uh, how we build in the spirit, how you contend in spiritual warfare. There's many different ways or formats of prayer that all have their own use. But the primary one is building a relationship. God wants us to have relationship. How many know? Yes, that's what God wants. Now you have a look in Psalm 27 and verse 4. Now this is a psalm written by David, who was a warrior, he was a king, he was a man who conquered armies, he was a man who got face to face with enemies and cut their heads off, slew them with a sword. Now that is really violent stuff. He was never defeated in a battle, he rallied men and changed a nation, changed the history of, of the nation, and yet at the core of his being, what set him apart was this, he was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. Psalm 27 verse 4, he writes down his prayer. One thing have I desired of the Lord. So you can get that volume right, please. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. There it is. And behold the beauty of the Lord, to, to encounter him. See, to behold means to gaze at something and perceive, to experience the reality of God and to commune with him. That's the passion that drove one of the greatest warriors this earth has ever seen, was a passion for God. So people look and see what he did in a military sense. They don't see what was at the core of his being was a deep, intimate connection with God that allowed him not only to be intimate, but released power to win battles. He was never defeated. The only time he was ever defeated was when he stopped praying and he engaged in sin, and then the defeat not only affected him, it affected generations after him. So are you known as a man of prayer, a woman of prayer? What is the evidence that you pray? Does your family know you pray? Jesus was a man of prayer. So if we look at Jesus, we have a look at the model of prayer. Here's I want to share with you three, three scriptures that talk about Jesus' prayer life. Here's number one, found in Mark 1 and verse 35. It said, and in the morning... In the morning, rising up, great time before day, he went out and departed to a solitary place and he prayed. So notice, when did Jesus pray? Jesus prayed in the morning. He made it his first priority, getting up. 
Now, you have to understand the context of that verse is Jesus is having a revival. There are hundreds and hundreds of people around. His ministry is growing in popularity. People are coming. And yet, nevertheless, the first thing he did was not the people. The first thing was my time with God, my time with my Father. And so he rose while it was still dark which is easy to do today, rise when it's still dark that he might commune. And you notice that when the disciples said, hey, listen, everyone's waiting for you, he said, no, we need to go here. I have fresh directions for today. How can you get fresh directions for your life if you're not in a place where you're listening to the one who has an assignment for your life? How can you fulfill the assignment God gave you if you don't build connection with him to hear what he has to say about your life? You will just follow the same routine you've always followed out of habit, and that's what you do. Now, there are some habits are good. The Bible says Jesus had a habit of prayer. That's how they knew where to find him. They knew his place of prayer. They went to him in his place of prayer. That's where they captured him in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he went, as was his habit, to pray. Do people know where you go to pray? Could they, are you predictable enough in your prayer life that someone who knew that you had a prayer life could go and catch you praying because he knows you'll be there at that time? That's how they were able to find him because they knew, he said he went to the garden as was his habit. He was known to be there. See, it's all very well to look at the miracles and the ministry of Jesus. What you have to see is that undergirding it was a deep, intimate relationship with his father that enabled him to stay on track with his mission and assignment and be empowered to fulfill it. So even when people walked away from him, he never got upset or distressed or, or angry or anything like that. He, he knew he was empowered by his Father in heaven. Here's another scripture, and it says in Matthew 14, verse 23, and when the, uh, the Lord sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray, and when evening was come, he was there alone. So notice there he prayed in the afternoon as well. So I noticed that in both situations, they refer to having to have to pour out a lot. He chose not to rest, but to find strength in a relationship with his Father. So he prayed in the morning, prayed in the afternoon. And we find another scripture here. Here's one in Luke 6, verse 12. It says, It came to pass in those days he went into the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. So we see here, prayer was his priority. Prayer was what empowered Jesus to do what he did. It empowered him to win the victory he did. When he faced his greatest challenge, the cross, his need was to pray. Prayer is what connects us to God, keeps us on our assignment, and empowers us to keep going when life is really hard and difficult, and you've got opposition, rejection, difficulties, stresses, uncertainties, resistance of all kinds. When you're facing impossible situations, you need to be a person of prayer. You don't pray because you're in a panic need. You pray because it's a way of life. When it's a way of life, then when the needs come, you remain calm in the storm. If there's no prayer life as a, as a way of life, when the storms come, anxiety sets in and you start to stress out. How many people know what I'm talking about? Stress out. Stress out. Does that sound familiar? If you're young children, you're a mother, stress out seems to be quite normal. But it helps if you can build some time of prayer. You may not be able to do it the way you used to do it before you were married, but you can still pray. So I want to get to six reasons why we need to pray. 
then a couple of obstacles, what makes it difficult for us and what to do about it. So let me give you these quickly now. Here they are. Number one, why do we need to pray? If God is sovereign and can do as he wills, why then do we need to pray? See, you, can't, you have to be able to answer why the necessity of prayer. If you don't understand why the necessity of prayer, we will think things will just happen. But they don't. And I'll give, you, I'll give you some insights to why we need to pray. Number one, God has chosen to act through people. Now, God can do anything because he is sovereign. However, God chose to act through people. In Genesis 26, Genesis 1, verse 26 through to 28, it tells about God making man. God created man in his own image and likeness. Notice what he said, let them have dominion. So you were designed for dominion. Dominion means there is a challenge to overcome. Dominion means you come in and have authority to bring things into order. So when God created man, he created us to be his representative on the earth. So God, who is spiritual, who is a spirit being, who is powerful, created man, a spirit being in his own likeness, put him in a body and put him on earth and gave man the delegated role to have dominion over the earth. What did that mean? To extend God's rule in the earth. Now, here's an important thing to understand. If I delegate a responsibility to someone, I must give them the authority to act. If I bypass them, I undermine what I established. If I bypass them, if I said, look, here's your area of responsibility. I put you in charge of it, and I give you authority to make decisions. Now, if I come afterwards and I start meddling in that and doing stuff independently of him, what's happening is I'm eroding his authority. I'm undermining his responsibility. That's called witchcraft. So you understand then, because God put man and gave man an assignment, a responsibility, God will not overrule that. God requires, he's limited himself to work through the man. So people say, well, if God is God, if there is a God, how come the world's in such a mess? Oh, that's an easy one to answer. Because God delegated responsibility to man who messed up. And God has been at work ever since to restore the mess. Now, God's way of restoring isn't just to step in and fix it all up. God doesn't violate what he set up in the original deal. He still needs a man. So how did God fix up the mess? Why, God sent his own son to become a man. To do what? To be an obedient son. To be a son who would walk in his father's will. To be a son who'd be so obedient, he'd give up his life even to the point of dying on the cross. And God honored that person. When Jesus did that, he as a man obtained authority back for us. So now God invites us back into relationship and to become empowered. What to do? To change the world. So God does not bypass us. God has chosen to limit himself to work through us. Because he allocated us the responsibility. So if you are a believer, you have an assignment, you have a territory, you have something God has given you influence in and responsibility over, that area he will not 
intervene unless you pray. No divine intervention unless someone prays. No prayer, no power. That means you're struggling on the same playing field as everyone else. Once you catch that concept, you understand why it's so important to pray. We end up accepting situations that should never be accepted. We get negative about the community and negative about all the things that are happening. Well, listen, it's the church's role to pray and demonstrate the life and power of God. Don't complain if you haven't prayed about it. The first response to everything is to pray to find how God wants to come into that situation and how we can cooperate with Him in that happening. So God has limited Himself. The earth has been given to man to have dominion over. And God enters that realm by a person praying. He that comes to God must believe He is and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.6. There's the first major reason to pray. Secondly, the reason, next reason is why we should pray. God seeks a family he can be intimate with. And in, in Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus said, you want to learn how to pray? They all came to him. They said, we see that you get things happening. We see miracles happening. And this is what he said. Well, don't be like the Pharisees because all they do is pray to be seen by people. And don't pray like they do because they just pray empty, vain repetitions. If you want to pray, here's how you pray. This is how you pray. And he taught something that revolutionized them. He said, here's how you pray, our Father who is in the heavenly realms. So he said, you come to God as an intimate, loving Father in the realm of the Spirit with access to unlimited resources. Don't complain about your past. Don't complain about your limitations. You have a Father who is unlimited. That's a cause to be very happy. I have a father who is really wealthy. I have a father who has all resources available. And he's not my father. Don't just get this as it's our father. When we're born again into the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ, then God becomes our father. We can come to him. He says, our father. That's how you address him. We address him as our father. Why do we call him father? Because his desire is for a family. He created us to be sons. He created us to be daughters. He created us to represent him. That's what sons do. That's what daughters do. They carry the image of their father. They reflect their father. They carry on the assignment of their father. That's what God designed us for. Oh, oh, here I am. See? Okay, here's another thing. Prayer releases God's will on the earth. Prayer is the way that God's will is released on the earth. Now, a lot of people pray, well, Father, if it be your will. Now, that's just nonsense. That's getting nowhere. In, in, uh, in Luke chapter 11, it tells us this. It says, this is how you pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be in our We honor you. And so there's a whole range of various things we do when we pray. But here he said, now pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what it's saying is in prayer, you must pray for the will that God has to manifest. It's one thing for God to have a will. It's another thing for that will to manifest. Completely different. They're two different things. And the Bible tells you what the will of God is. That's why you can pray properly. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So there are many things the Bible tells us this is the will of God. It's not the will of God that any perish, but all be 
saved. So your unsaved friend, family member, is it God's will they be saved? Why are they not saved? Someone isn't praying. Well, the answer to the question is simple. They have a will and God will never violate their will. However, if someone comes into agreement with God and calls that will into being in the earth, God then is able to move to change the person. So God just doesn't sovereignly come on people. He comes on people because someone stood in prayer and out of relationship intimately, knowing the will of the Father is the person be saved, stood and believed in spite of their stubbornness, in spite of their pride, in spite of their hostility, in spite of every resistance, that the will of God, they'll be saved. And they never quit, they never gave up, and then it manifested. How come? Because when God had someone who wouldn't quit, He was able to then work on that person. It's not some magical thing. He works to influence them. Philippians 2.13 says, It's God works in you to will or desire and then to do the thing He desires. So God is at work. But for God to be released to work, you must pray. Prayer brings God's power into our own lives so we begin to desire what He desires and do what He wants us to do. That's how we fulfill the will of God. Because naturally, sometimes it's hard and you'd rather quit. You ever wonder why some people don't quit? Because God is working in them to desire and do the will of God. But if I want this to happen in someone else's life, I have to pray and persevere in prayer. How did I get saved? I was entrenched in religion and resistant. But some people got together and prayed my name. They didn't just pray general prayers, God save the world. That doesn't work. You need to pray specifically by name. People are individuals. They're born by, as an individual into the world. They go out of the world as an individual. And everyone gives account of God, to God as an individual. We name them before the throne. If you want to see people saved, start to name them and name them daily before God. This is the will of God that so-and-so be saved. I declare salvation in Jesus' name. You must pray. We pray and call the will of God. I thank God to this day that entrenched in religion, two women of God believed I could be saved. There was no evidence I could be saved. I resisted attempts to get me saved. But then somehow I got saved. How did that happen? And it wasn't anyone trying to talk me into it. You can't talk anyone into getting saved. If you can talk them into it, someone will talk them out of it. It's not a matter of mental persuasion. No man comes except the Father draws him. And how does the Father draw him? Someone prays. You want someone else to change? Pray for them. You want yourself to change? Pray. Pray, pray. Prayer is what releases the power of God to change people, change circumstances. God needs us to change first. To repent of being prayerless, to make a commitment to pray, make a decision, I'll be part of the answer. And not give up when it looks toxic. That means you're living by sight, not by faith. We have to believe that no situation is too difficult for God. None. None. 
I got saved. And no one even talked. I just got saved. I sat there. I was in the message. I was getting married. And I was getting married. I heard a message. Suddenly it dawned on me, you know, it'll be hard to make life and marriage work unless Jesus is in my heart. I think I better invite him into my heart right now. And I just invite him in my heart right now. Now, how did that happen? Someone prayed. I just didn't think up a smart idea like that. I sat in meetings and I never got that idea. When they had an altar call, I hung onto the seat so I wouldn't go up the front. I had this feeling like I could easily go and do something stupid and go up the front. So I held onto my seat and sat at the back. Thank you very much. I won't be tricked. You know, that's, that's how I was. I mean, I was really so much against it all. And then suddenly I'm saved. And then one day I had some people talk to me about things of the Holy Ghost. I thought, you're a load of crazy people. This is just crazy stuff. But one day, I said, God, I think I need you. I think I need to be filled with the Spirit. And suddenly, I got filled with the Spirit. Someone hadn't stopped praying for me. Prayer gives God room to move. In your children, in your marriage, in your own life, in the lives of others around you, we must pray. Prayer gives God authorization to move and influence people and circumstances to change. We must pray. We must pray. And lastly, prayer is, why we, is how we release our problems to God. 1 Peter 5, 7. Now, no, no, all of us, casting all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Now, how many, don't, how many people have things that worry them? Well, now that's normal because people are stressed out today. They're taking, there's more people depressed today than seems it ever. People depressed. Why are they depressed? They're anxious and they feel overpowered. They can't cope. And so what does the Bible tell us? It says, cast or by faith hurl the things that concern you that cause fear in your heart onto a loving God. He loves you. So notice it says, He cares for you. He's concerned for you. Why? Because He's your dad. There's a lot of people get hung up over a prosperity message. What dad wants their kids to live in poverty? Give me a break. It's never going to happen. Yet somehow we think God is going to be like that. God, what You want your kids to prosper. You want them to get a good education, good job, marry the right person, have good kids. Yeah, that's what we all want. Doesn't work out that way though, however, but that's why you need to pray. Because as you raise children, you see some of the things you wrestle with in them. See, they're magnified in them, that's the problem. That's what causes the anger and frustration and worry. But you pray. We used to tell our kids, don't think you get away with anything. We pray for you all the time. If you're doing something that's not right, God will show it to us. Or if he doesn't show it to us, you'll be the one who gets caught out. Everyone got away but you. That was God showing mercy because someone prayed. Come on. We need to be praying. Praying for our marriages. Praying for our children. Praying for our finances. Pray. We need to pray. Come on, you need to pray. We all need to pray. We need to shift our prayer level up. Otherwise, you want to see some changes? Get your prayer life sorted out. That's a good place to start. Get the power to change. See, we've all been inspired to change, but I found you don't change. Have you noticed that? I made my good resolutions myself. In fact, earlier this morning, now I was in dialogue with God. He said there was more one way this time. He was talking to me. 
And so I got up. I got woken early because there's someone next door with a turn their thing up at about five o'clock. And there's this noise of car stereos blaring. Oh, I'm up. I'm going to pray. Got up to pray. It was the Lord. Exactly. It was the Lord. So you can either look at it and get annoyed. You can think, what an opportunity. I'll just get up and pray. So I got up and prayed. And I prayed for a little while. I sat down and said, now, Lord, I'm a bit worried about some things. I notice a pattern in my life that's resisted change for years. So you're telling me I should do this thing about writing these things, doing these things. But I notice that I hate writing. And when it comes to sitting down and writing, my head goes blank and I don't like it and I find something else to do. And I've been doing it. And I thought about that. And I thought I've been doing that all my life. I looked at all the different. Suddenly I become aware of all the different ways in which I've been doing this. I said, so I wrote down a prayer, which is called journaling. And I wrote down, God, I see that I have a struggle in this area. I really want to do what you want me to do. But there's something in me is rebelling against your will in this area. What is it? I need to know what has got into my heart that is resisting what you want to do through me. How no good, it's not, a, it's not a one-way street. That was my bit. That was my writing bit. The rest of it all was what God told me. I'd written two things down I wanted him to give me help on. I just only got one of them answered because that was enough to overwhelm me. <laughs> he took me back and just showed me instance after instance in my life where I had suffered in the area of work and school and rejection and lack of approval and criticism and how it affected one area of my life to this day. I said to Joy, I said, you know when you want me to do, you tell me to do stuff and I resist. I said, here's where it comes from. There's a bit of rebellion sitting in my heart that goes right back, way back, and it goes to family. And I actually named the people. God showed me the people and the events. In other words, he showed me exactly what had happened in my heart that now made it impossible for me, even though I willed it, to do it. So I put this question to you. If you've been challenged by recent messages about change, chances are you've already tried to. And it's somehow there's something in you resists the change. So now you need to dialogue with God and find out what in my heart is resisting the change where did that come from? Where did that get established? Because in my case, now what am I, 72 now? Dear God, this stuff goes back to when I was about 14. In other words, there's been something blocking prosperity in my life and fulfilling of the will of God that only prayer could unlock. Okay? So I, I notice in church, now we get inspired by a message and inspired to respond, but then we can't seem to carry it out or follow it through. You get excited for a day or two, and then it's too hard. And then, you, you know, it's like, like going to the gym. Isn't it? I'll go the first day, or oh, the second day, I don't know. Third day, oh, I'll try. And then after that, oh, I've given up. I've had it. It's all too hard. See? So, so, so it's similar with the things of the Spirit. Except the things of the Spirit are in the heart. And we need God. God's the only. Man looks on the outside. So my wife looked and said, I notice you're resistant in this. I notice that this happens. I notice you say you're going to do this and you don't do that. And, uh, and I notice that God's been on you to do this and you're still not doing it. And so she would say things like that. And, of course, I, she's saying the truth. The trouble is I've got no power to change because I know why I'm not, not moving. The, the trouble is in the heart. Trouble is the pain, unresolved pain, unresolved anger, unresolved resentment, unresolved rebellion at being mistreated years ago has brought 
an antagonism and a reaction and procrastination on some tasks. Only God could show you that because God looks not like men do on the outside. What a slacker. Uh, God looks on the heart says, oh, you're hurting. I want to fix that. Does that make sense? See why you need to pray and why it needs to be dialogue? Because only God knows what we're struggling with or why we're struggling with those things and what we can do about them. That's one of the great things of prayer. We need to build a great prayer life. Oh, you're getting quiet now. I can tell you. Thinking, oh, you're thinking I'm going to build a prayer life. Oh, praise God, we'll change the world. No, no, God wants to start off with you. Start off with you. So get the idea why we need to pray. So we've got, we've got cares and things we need to cast on the Lord. So, so I'll just finish with a couple of things now. Why do people struggle in prayer? Here's, a few, here's three reasons. Number one, Matthew 26, 41 says, the flesh is weak even though the Spirit's willing. In other words, there's a part of you just doesn't want to pray. Have you noticed that? I feel tired. I feel cold. I don't want to get up. I, I just think it's all too hard. I tried a little bit, but it was all too hard. That's your flesh talking. Your spirit loves to pray, and if your spirit's activated long enough, it will pray, and then you'll overcome all the other stuff. But the flesh is weak. That's why Jesus said you need to pray, because if you don't pray, old problems will come back. I need to pray, because if I don't pray, within three days, old problems are reappearing. So number one, the flesh is weak. Number two, here's, here's a reason why people struggle in prayer. We don't get immediate results. In other words, it seems like you put in quite a bit of effort, but nothing much seems to change. How many know that one? You prayed for a bit, but didn't see much happen, and so you got discouraged. In Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus said, uh, he said, he told this parable that men ought always to pray and not faint or quit. In other words, Jesus said, you have to persevere in prayer. It's about sowing. It's about investing, and that will bring a return. But if you don't sow and invest, no return. So go for the long run on it rather than today I had a wonderful time with Jesus. And, of course, that's the problem. You hear other people, and they say, oh, I just met with Jesus. Oh, he talked to me. And you think, oh, that sucks. You know, I don't have that happen to me. It's all hard work. And uh, that's happened. See, so well, I've been through, I've been, I had all this stuff. And people tell all these things about that. I think, well, that's not like that for me. And so I'm struggling with it a bit. So I realized then that, number one, that, that firstly, the flesh is weak. So therefore, I must make a commitment and just do the things that will get my spirit flowing and energized, praying in tongues, until my flesh is overcome. Number two, I need to realize this is a long-haul game, not short-haul. I need to then be consistent and just persevere because the prayers are accumulating. We sort of want one to be answered straight away. But in Revelations 5, 8, it tells us prayers accumulate and then God answers them. And that, now, once you understand that, you realize then, so that person you're praying for, maybe the cup isn't full yet. You still got to just pray a little longer. You don't know which day it's going to tip over. You see those cups at the, at the kids' playground, at the, at, the, at the Splash Planet? They fill up with water, fill up with water, fill up with water. Oh, it's over there. There it goes. Well, it's just like that. Now, I love it when the water all splashes over, but it's all that slow weight when it fills up. And that's what your prayers are doing. You're filling up that case now. So, so we need to do something to build a, a strengthen our prayer life. So here's a few simple things you can do. And the, the, the last block I found is blocks to intimacy cause us to be disheartened with prayer. So I encourage you to consider 
if you're struggling to build an intimate relationship with God, that there may be blocks that go right back into your relationships with family, with father, with mother, with people on the way, and you've never dealt with the hurt and the resentments and the offenses. And when you pray, they actually are the thing that are creating the block to intimacy that need to be resolved. He said, when you stand praying, forgive. So if we're, going to, if we're going to build something different in the future, make prayer a priority. Number one, no exceptions every day. That's what a priority is. No exceptions. The moment you make an exception, you're on the way to stopping. No exceptions every day. Number two, have a place and a time that you can be knowing you went there where God can be waiting to meet with you for prayer. Number three, get some form of structure to your prayer life. Because I found if you don't have a bit of a structure to it, you soon run out of prayer and then it gets less and less and less and less. So I try to keep the time of prayer the same amount of time and I use music to help me keep it on track. So I know if I played this track enough times, this many times, that's 30 minutes of prayer, this, this kind of prayer. Put a format into your prayer. You could use the Lord's Prayer and break it up into sections and pray each section. Or what I do is very simply like this. I start off with strong praise and praying in the Spirit with praise music going for a period of time. You, you work out what that period of time is. I do it long enough. I've built it so it's a committed half an hour every day. Then I take time to surrender to God and call His will over my personal life Every aspect of it, my seeing, my thinking, my hearing, my speaking, my, what I do, uh, every aspect of my life, calling the will of God, speaking it over my life, calling it into being. And then number three, I begin to pray. I pray for family. pray for my children, their spouses. I pray for my grandchildren, all 24 of them by name, and the spouses that will marry them one day and the great-grandchildren they'll bring into being. Why should I leave it to chance? when I could be praying for God to move now? Why wait to fix up a mess later on when we could be praying for God to intervene now? And then there's other people around the world and various people here that I pray for, and so I name them before the Lord. Now you find, see, there's enough structure in it now. And then when I've done that, I sit down and take time to dialogue or journal, writing something down and then listening for God to respond. Now, you can alter the amount of time in any one of them, but have some form of pattern. Grow one part of it. And when you've grown it, then build another part. And then when you've built that part, build another part. Don't, don't try to do it all in a day. Just set it as a priority. Be consistent. No day without prayer. And let's build prayer in the church. If we want to see a greater level of intimacy with God, a greater level of presence of God. If we want to see a greater demonstration of God, pray. Let's build prayer individually. We have a prayer meeting. Don't you stay home. The house of God is called a house of prayer, not a house of entertainment, not a house of being motivated, not a house of having good music in a nice place. It's called a house of prayer where we meet God and His power comes to the earth to bring about assignments. That's what we're here for. Let's not neglect what is our responsibility. 
Okay, let's just close our eyes right now. Father, just thank you right now. Just as we finish just right now, this moment, maybe there's someone here and you've never made an initial connection with God. You're, you're living a life without God. It's a life usually with anxiety and fears and insecurities and comparisons, all kinds of things. But Jesus came to deal with those things in our lives. He, he represented what God is really like and then died on the cross to break the power of the sin that grips us. He rose after three days, demonstrating what he did was successful. To everyone who received Jesus Christ, he gave power to become a child of God. Right now, I want to invite any person here who's never committed their life to follow Jesus Christ to make that decision today to welcome Jesus into your life and choose to believe what he did on the cross to save you from the power of sin. If you would do that, it will start your journey with God. It starts with a prayer. Is there anyone here? Just raise your hand right now. Wants to receive Christ, become a Christian. Just put your hand up right now. Put your hand up right now. Right, any person here, right at that place, ready to make a decision to receive Jesus. Just raise your hand right now. Let me see your hand. Well, church, there's a place for prayer straight away. There's a place for prayer straight away. Now, this is what I want to do. I want to challenge every person here that God has spoken to you about your prayer life. Perhaps it's your personal prayer life. Perhaps it's your prayer as couples. Perhaps it's prayer as families. And these things are not established. You need prayer to build intimacy. You need prayer to release the power of God. You need prayer to build a protection over your family. Why are you not praying? Why don't you say, God, I repent of prayerlessness. I repent of pride. I can do it on my own. Good on you. You can do it on your own. Good on you, mate. But me, the rest of us, we can't. We tried that way, it didn't work. We tried that way, it didn't work. It got messy and painful, affected marriage and loved ones. When you make a decision today, God, I want to build a, a fresh commitment in prayer. If that's you, why don't you just stand where you are right now? Just stand where you are right now. Stand where you are. God's speaking to you about your prayer life, engaging in a regular, committed, consistent prayer life persevering in prayer. Perhaps some of us have just given up. We got disheartened. The problems seemed to get so bad and you just quit and gave up. No, no, don't give up. Don't give up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father, as we come before you now, we commit to prayer. We repent of pride and independence and believing and being deceived in our heart we could go it alone lord today we say we can't go it alone we turn to you for grace and power to change yes lord we've heard messages about change and we we want to change but have no power to change lord we cry out to you Yes. Father, we pray for the spirit of prayer to come upon every one of us, the spirit of prayer to come upon the church. We pray, Lord, for the spirit of prayer to saturate our lives. It's becoming a lifestyle. Day by day, we're beginning to pray. It becomes automatic in our lives. It becomes part of our life flow. Everywhere we are, we're able to pray. We're able to call your presence to come, call your power to come, call for change. Father, we commit today to pray and we ask for the spirit of prayer to come over our lives. 
We ask for a fresh passion for prayer. We ask for fresh encounters with you. We ask for fresh revelation as we dialogue with you. Father, we ask for the grace to be able to build a strong, consistent, daily prayer life of prayer, intimacy, intercession, and seeing your power move. Father, we commit to pray. We commit to pray. We commit to build a house of prayer. We commit to build this church, a house of prayer. A house where the presence of God is. A house where the power of God is. A place where lives are changed. People are set free. Lord, we give you all the honor. Lord, we ask for your grace to come on us right now. Is there any sick in your body? Why don't you make your way to the front now so someone can come and lay hands on you and pray for you. You're sick and need a miracle of healing. It's interesting what Jesus said. Jesus uh, said to the Pharisees, He said, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it or turned it into something else. It's become a cave full of robbers. And it said, after He said those things, the blind came, the deaf came, the lame came, and He healed all of them. So having confronted the church at its lack of power, He demonstrated that He carried the power of God. How important it is we believe for the power of God. Yes. Why don't we finish with the final song right now? Anyone needing prayer? Anyone sick in their body? Just come, and we're going to have elders and leaders come and pray for you. Just come. That's right. Just come on and pray for you. Get a few. Just get a few. At least Sandy and Peter like to come up and pray. Joy, come and pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, right now. We thank you, Lord. You're the God who heals. Father, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break the power of I break now every root of rejection. Well, thank you for coming this morning. And uh, I pray that you really take that message on your heart. I break its power in Jesus' I know God's been speaking to me about it. But have a fantastic week. And we'll see you next Sunday. And uh, it's going to be awesome. God bless you all.